Amber, what are you drinking today? You and I have water. <gasps> water? Yes. Still. I'm so proud of you. Halfway to my, it's not even, it's like 81 days, I think. So uh, maybe I'm halfway. Yeah, because you're close to 40. I'm close to 40. We'll get there. Yeah, you're, you are about halfway. I look forward to the day when you ask me what I'm drinking and I have actual alcohol in my hand. <laughs> April. We're getting there. I know. April. I know. I'm going to schedule a hell of a show for April 1st. <laughs> Although it might only take me a drink or two to be intoxicated. So maybe we'll only do one that day. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe we should take that day off. No. I got to be on here to drink. <laughs> okay. What are you drinking today, Amanda? Well, I am also drinking water of the sparkling variety mixed with vodka. Ooh, what flavor water are you drinking? Peach. And peach vodka? Yes. Of course you are. (laughs) Of course I am. It's delicious. (laughs) Yes, it is. Welcome to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell, and we are here to tell them. We have found that being a service member was easy, but being a veteran can be hard. In this episode, we are talking to Russ Jones. He served in the United States Navy from 1987 to 1991 as a boatswain's mate. How are you doing today, Russ, and what are you drinking? I'm doing great, and I'm drinking, not water, Mike's Hard Black Cherry Lemonade. Ooh. Oh, is that delicious? Oh, it's very delicious. <laughs> I actually had that and those are very good. Yeah. It's very good. Yeah. Very, very good. I imagine it's kind of like blackberry wine a little bit, but malty. <laughs> I don't drink wine though. <laughs> I drink a lot of wine. Okay. Scale Executive Search is a veteran owned and operated search firm serving aerospace tech and startup. They've managed to set themselves apart by not only understanding the job market, but also ensuring their candidates and clients are invested in not only their careers, but also themselves and their families. All right, Russ, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from and how your story got started? I am from originally from a town called Baxter, Iowa, which is a very small town. I, my little thing says it's a uh, one horse town with stop signs say, whoa. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that small. And I lived there, you know, there my whole life. And then I graduated in 87. And five days later, I was on my way to boot camp. I went to the service because my dad was in the Navy. And he was a machinist mate sta- uh, stationed on the USS Wasp. Oh. And my uncle was also stationed on it as well. And um, so when I got, uh, when I graduated high school, I didn't think I was ready to go to college or anything like that. So I thought, well, I'll go to service and let him pay for my college. <laughs> yes. so, so I went in the Navy and got stationed, or I went to Great Lakes, Michigan. And I, I actually had a pretty good time during boot camp for the most part. It was during one of the hotter times. So it wasn't bad. But one of the things Were I really like black flagged all the time so you couldn't work out? No, it wasn't quite that hot. I got you. But it was warm, I could say. So we did work out and everything. And one of the neat, one of the neatest things I liked about boot camp was that I was when I went there, I was kind of a heavy set kid. <laughs> By the time I got out of there, I was 187 pounds solid. So I was like, I like that. I wish I would stayed that way. 
<laughs> <laughs> I guess what I really liked most about boot camp was was drill. That was one of my favorite things we do. We would do with uh, that. Um, I guess it's called drill, but you get this award. You know, every time you, you reach a certain point, you get certain points and all that, and you get this thing. What's called the big chicken dinner. <laughs> And our company commander told us when we went to this, our last test, if we did not get it, we were going to be working out forever. <laughs> and we got back to our barracks afterwards and we're all standing just kind of like going, what happened? Because you know, we don't know the scores. First thing they say is push your racks back. We're like, oh, no. <laughs> and then he gets all excited. He comes out and he says it's unbelievable. And he goes, we were supposed to, out of a score of 2,700, we had 20 eight something or other so we got it so the reason they pushed your max back was because me and another and another guy all went with our company commander and we got kentucky fried chicken for everybody oh wow That's <laughs> that was cool. pretty amazing i bet that was that the was, best chicken you ever had in your life it was for yeah at that point yeah <laughs> so then i stayed there in great lakes for about six months doing what they call ot otd on the job training basically they were kind of just giving me basic training, not uh, for any particular MOS. I kind of wish I would have gone a little harder on that one, but I ended up being a bosun's mate. And I got stationed at Camp Majum Marine Corps Base. For the first two years, I worked for a company the part called Rain Control. Are you familiar with that at all? No. This was actually kind of a fun job, too. You get in a little 21, 22-foot boat, drive it out to the intercoastal waterway, anchor for the day, and keep civilian boats from coming through because the Marines are firing over the waterway. Sounds like the easiest job ever. It is, except for the fact that you still have to maintain your boats and other things like that. So right. I learned a lot about, you know, sanding them down and everything like that as well. So, I mean, it got, it, that good old needle gun life. Yep. Well, I wasn't on the boat. I was in the shop working. So did you guys that, do one for dust, two for rest? No. Did you paint? <laughs> No, nope. That must have been an air traffic controller thing. <laughs> We're like, oh, this space looks horrible. It's just rusty. <laughs> we'll give it one coat. Ooh, it's rusting. Two coats. Oh, okay, I get you. It's terrible. Yeah, really, our boats were really that rusty. So, my goodness, it was pretty neat being out there. Um, I would take a marine out there with me because you know I was supposed to have somebody with me all the time. And then some of those mornings when it was really cold, we'd have the little kerosene heaters and things like that that sounds like a recipe for shenanigans yeah we, we were allowed to do things you know we were allowed to swim or fish whatever we wanted to <laughs> and uh, as long as we didn't let the marine or the civilians come through well at this time i was actually kind of a smoker <laughs> and you can imagine being out on a boat and your lighter stops working oh <laughs> I had to come up, and I, I, this is probably pretty dangerous and stupid, but I, I came up with an idea to get my get me some fire, basically. I had two metal flagpoles, and I had a rope, and I had gasoline. So I had the rope in one end of the flagpoles, put one end on the negative and one end on the positive on the battery, popped them together, and lit my, lit my rope. <laughs> it was dangerous, but I got my fire. <laughs> it worked. Yep. Navy ingenuity. That's right. Yeah, that's right. But I have stopped smoking since then. So, I mean, <laughs> but now you but, don't um, have to do it if you don't have fire. That's very true. My, the Marine just freaked out. He's like, "What the heck are you doing?" <laughs> but he he thought it was pretty ingenious too. 
It's okay. I'm a bosun's mate. I got this. Yep. At the time, I really technically wasn't a bosun's mate. I was just kind of in that position because I didn't really know what I was going to do. They just threw me in this spot. So, I, so like, you, went in undesign- you went in undesignated then, Russ? Yes. Up until about all oh, after the second year. Because that's when wow. they put me in the ho- that's when they put me at the hospital location. Not a huh. corpsman, but I'm a navy guy in the, at the hospital. They put me. So in you, the, were uh, mer- you were you uh, were seaman on a Marine Corps base, and then yep, you yep. were in a hospital, not a corpsman. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. And undesignated until the, the little later. So um, so then I went to the the hospital area and basically put me in what they call transportation grounds unit. I was a gardener. <laughs> That's about what you want to call it. Plus, I also uh, would go pick up people up in, uh, I'd have to drive all the way from uh, Camp Lejeune to Norfolk to pick up medevac sometimes. Or Cherry Point, which is not quite as far. Which I Cherry didn't Point mind is Cherry a lot Point closer drive. than Norfolk. Yeah. Norfolk was about a four-hour drive up and a four-hour drive back. Ooh, yeah. That wasn't a bad drive until I didn't know I had this, but um, <laughs> I apparently have got narcolepsy, <laughs> and I would be driving and literally falling asleep, trying. And people would be like, "Going, wake up!" You know, slap me to wake me up. And I'm like, "I, I'm trying my darnest." I'd stop and go get something to drink, whatever, if I could to keep myself awake. It was hard. Wow. Because I didn't know I had it at the time, so I didn't know about the medicine and all that kind of stuff. Right. <laughs> I got pulled over one time in a government vehicle and cop comes to ask for a license registration i'm like here's my license the registration is on the door <laughs> i didn't have no papers but right. um you know i couldn't help it i just now i know why i was always falling asleep <laughs> yeah what a way to but, find out yeah, yeah. i, didn't find, I, I wish i would have found out a lot sooner honestly but um because when i came home and i was working days and stuff like that. I, was, I wasn't twice as bad, but when I started working this mid-shift type thing, I really noticed it. I didn't really get tested until one time I actually put my car in the ditch. Mm. <laughs> said, okay, something is not right. I'm sleeping all the time. I'm falling asleep while I'm eating. That's just not right. So yeah. that's when I found that out. One of the things about being at the Camp Lejeune Hospital, it was I got to meet a lot of new people and everything. I had a lot of friends, the Corman friends, and like that. But driving the medevac was really the interesting deal because I go to Cherry Point or Norfolk and I bring back people that was, you know, whatever they were doing back to the hospital for whatever they had to do. One particular point, I went to Cherry Point to pick up a medevac in person. Didn't know this person at all. At least I didn't think I did. <laughs> we're sitting here talking and I, I caught it. His, he says his name was Shane Jones. I'm thinking, okay, I know a lot of Shane Jones. <laughs> You know, and um, so I'm talking to him and all I say, I go, so where are you from, Shane? He goes, he's from Ottumwa. I'm like, really? Well, half my family's from Ottumwa. And I go, and not to sound weird, but what's your dad's name? <laughs> he says, Dale goes, you're my cousin. <laughs> I actually picked up my cousin on a medevac trip. Wow. And, wow. <laughs> and from that point on, we hung out together, though. You know, he was a Marine and he was, uh, he was going for uh, uh, drug and alcohol abuse, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, he was, uh, we hung out after that. For, he met, I was actually a best man to his uh, wedding. It was oh, pretty cool. cool. I got to meet, got to see my cousin. Didn't even know he was there. Hey, cheers to meeting family while you're uh, in the military and not even realizing. Cheers. Oh, yeah. Cheers to that. Yeah, I didn't even know he was in the service. And then I told <laughs> my dad about it and he laughed. 
we still keep in touch to this day. That's cool. Yep. And my so, uh, other cousin, Tim, he li- he was living in Norfolk. <laughs> you just had all kinds of family with you. Yeah. Nice. Now they're all back in Iowa. <laughs> Minor details. <laughs> yeah. So out of all of your duty stations, which one was your favorite? Well, consider us <laughs> Camp June. <laughs> I like, which, Camp part, June. which part of your assignments? I actually like the hospital a little bit more. I mean, I did like the range control, but I like the hospital more because I met a lot more people and I had a lot of fun. I learned a lot, you know, because I, I didn't just do transportation. I did a little bit of ground unit. I did, uh, you know, little name tags you all had people had your names on. I used to make those. Oh, cool. <laughs> they put but, you um, to work. They did. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. They're like, oh, you don't have a real job? We got something for you. Yeah. Yep. And I got moved to barracks, to barracks, to barracks. Yeah. That's how we become efficient at moving and packing and yep. moving and packing and moving and packing. Oh yes. I really, I, the one thing about Camp June, and I don't know if you know about this or not, you probably do. Have you seen the letters that come around? Are you, have you been, did you, did you guys go to Camp June at all or? Mm-mm. No. Oh, okay. We were strictly West Coast sailors. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I keep getting this letter probably about once every two or three years saying about the Camp of June Marine Corps base water. <laughs> It was contaminated uh, oh. back in. It was contaminated from about, what was it? Uh, I think they said like 75 to like 80, the end of 87. And they didn't realize it until later on. And um, I was actually stationed there during that time that the water was contaminated. So I get all these letters and everything about it and everything like that. And one of the things I, it concerns me was the fact that one of the issues that they said that come from the the water, which they don't seem to be doing anything about it, is mental issues. Hmm. And all they're, all they're more concerned, which I can understand, but they're more concerned about cancer because <laughs> it did cause some cancer to some people that were there. But also, narcolepsy is a mental balance. Huh. And that's why I thought, you know, maybe that's how I got it. I don't know. So, yeah. That was one of, the, that's one of the kind of things that I talked to them about it. And they said, right now, they're not looking at anybody with mental issues. They're just looking at more of the cancer side. I'm like, why do you keep sending me letters about it and tell me about mental issues and stuff like that? But they said it could be passed on to your kids. And my, my daughter has a lot of uh, anxiety issues and things like that as well. So it makes me wonder if maybe I didn't you know, pass that on to her as well. And I was listening to your last podcast about the guy that, it was stationed up there as a water purifier, but he didn't get purified water. <laughs> and I'm thinking, well, now you well, know why the water at Camp June was contaminated. Because right? it was never purified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he never worked as a water purifier. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, Camp June was probably my favorite place. I mean, so I met a lot of people. Uh, my best friend was a corpsman there. Uh, her name was Deborah Layton. And I introduced her to her first husband. And kind of her second. <laughs> <laughs> and um, when after a while, we had joined a, a dart league team there in North Carolina. And that was a lot of fun. That's kind of, that's about it. I, like I said, North Carolina was pretty much the only place I was stationed at. And I just, I did a lot there. And that's I really cool. liked, the, I really liked the naval side better. The yeah. food was better too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So do you have a great sea story that you can tell us today? The sea story I would have basically is the fact that when I was trying out to uh, 
get the bosun's mate rank, they put me on the ship for two weeks rough trade. Rough trade is really fun because it's basically all the different things that a uh, bosun's mate does in two weeks. And <laughs> I got to do overboard drills, which wasn't too bad, except it was at like two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> the scariest thing was refueling because the boats are like this close to each other. The water's way up and it's just splashing everywhere. Oh my gosh, it was the scariest thing ever. I was worried it was going to fall off. <laughs> I did not like that one bit. <laughs> I mean, they give you a life jacket for that. Yeah, I had a life jacket on. <laughs> but still, <laughs> you fall in that water at that and dark at night, you're gone. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, not really, probably. They'd probably find you. But um, I did that. I did uh, shoring drills. But my favorite part on the ship was I got to be at the helm of the USS Coral Sea, oh. which got decommissioned right afterwards. But still. I got to be on it. The only time they wouldn't let me be at the helm was when the airplanes were actually landing, which I could see that. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not experienced at all. But yeah, being at the helm of the ship was pretty darn cool. That is cool. So yeah, that's about the only sea thing I actually had. I didn't actually get to go on a ship for the whole time I was on there, except for that training. I mean, that's more than some people. I wish <laughs> I wish I would have got more, but you know, yeah, I think it would have been neater. But yeah, I did. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, I learned a lot. I, I grew up. I really grew up though in service because like I said I got out of high school and I, I went right to boot camp and didn't think I was really ready for college or anything like that. I, I, I grew up in boot camp. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people do. Yeah. And if not in boot camp, when you're at A school or yeah. once you get put out into the fleet and you you have to. You truly are like more of an adult than than you were. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to really fend for yourself. You need to take care of yourself. Make sure you know everything is good. You got like iron your uniforms and all like that. Yeah. You need to do that stuff when you're a kid. And college people don't do that unless they actually have to. So, right. So yeah, and once you're out, I, you don't either. Because I yeah, think I've nope. ironed like three things since I've been out of the military. I learned <laughs> to one sew was last week. <laughs> yes, I've learned to sew. When I was in the service, and I, and I still do my ironing. In fact, I do more ironing than my wife does for her. <laughs> and I do most of the sewing. Yeah. So when uh, my kids were younger, my son was in scouts. So I was uh, a leader in scouts, and I would actually sew on all his badges and things like that, too. So. <laughs> well, it came in handy for you then. But yeah, it did. I, I mean, like I said, I learned a lot. Yeah. I never got to do what I really wanted to do, which was computers, which is what I'm doing now. <laughs> I am an I'm an information technology specialist where I I actually fix people's computers over the phone. Oh, because, awesome! That's yeah, where you got that fun. cool background. Thank you. <laughs> I've been working with computers since I was twelve. I just didn't get to do with them much as when I was in the service. Right, right. Schwartz Davidson Law is a Texas-based, veteran-friendly law firm. Credit and debt is a big game, and one rigged for you to lose. The system's designed to keep you in it spending money and juggling different types of accounts so lenders feel more comfortable lending you money. Worse credit equals worse rates, and there's no shortage of companies trying to collect. Negative reporting is an attempt to collect a debt. So what happens when a debt collector or credit bureau makes a mistake? What happens when they refuse to fix it? That's when it's time to lawyer up with Schwartz-Davidson Law. Call the folks who started in credit restoration, got a law degree, and have been holding the credit bureau's feet to the fire to protect consumers and help you take hold of your financial future instead of letting the anxiety of it run you. How do you get a debt collector to stop calling? 
let them know you've got an attorney. How do you get the best deal on a settlement? With an attorney. You don't have to break the bank to fix your credit or deal with debt collectors. Contact the attorneys at Schwartz Davidson Law for a free consultation and let us go to battle for you. We're here when you need us. Eventually, you had to get out of the service. How was your transition from active duty to being a veteran? Wasn't as bad as I've heard some other stories about it because I had a lot of family waiting for me when I got home. I had a job waiting for me when I got back. The only thing is I, I wish I would have known about more of the, the VA type stuff where if I, cause after six months after you get out, if you don't report to the VA for, you don't get dental. <laughs> so I was like, that's a bummer. <clears throat> but so I don't have dental through the VA, but I do have everything else to VA. I have a uh, 20%, 20, yeah, 20% disability because my, because I'm allergic to the latex hearing protection. Oh my. <laughs> and I was always running lawnmowers a lot of times. So, you know, I have hearing protection with lawnmowers. They and didn't service connect your narcolepsy? I'm, I tried. They, again, that's, they, they won't go with that one yet. I guess imagine probably because of. That's so. Uh, yeah. I, I, I tried as much as I could. Yeah. I've, I've actually tried. I've, um, couple times but especially since you didn't have it before you went in and there's proof on paper that the water that you drank for six months or however long was contaminated and narcolepsy is one of the possibilities because of the mental neurological disorder yep but they they're just not doing anything with it okay (laughs) i went to a i would call them uh a representative type thing and um, yeah, they they said they're right now they're just not doing anything with it. But well, I you'll do keep under control now. Every two to three years, and eventually one day maybe they'll be able to do something for it. Maybe. Yeah. But I, like I said, I do have it under control now. I take medicine, keep me awake, and I get my good. I get a good night's sleep, and I don't fall asleep on everybody. Not all, not very much. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. That'd be uh, uh, interesting helping people fix their computers, and all of a sudden you're passed out. Right, oh, I've, I've, I have done that. <laughs> I have done that. Yeah. Um, one time before I was I diagnosed, I was working at Tone Spices. And I was talking to this one guy when I was in the uh, label room. And I'm just talking away. Next thing I know, I go like this. And I just start pick my head back up. I start talking. And he's just looking at me like. What the hell? Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know. I, mean, I just went right back to, you know, what I was talking about. Huh. My ki- my kids won't let me live this one down. They were probably, I think my daughter was maybe like nine. And I think my son's probably about 14 or 15. Well, I was basically not really yelling at my daughter, but telling my daughter to go to bed. And you know, the old parents do the count thing. So I said, go to bed. And she's going to go back. I said, I go one, two. I fell asleep. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh. They will not let me live this down. I mean, because when I woke up, I'm like, three. <laughs> oh, it was, it was bad, but now it's been straight. It's taken care of. So I'm happy about it now. Yeah, you got the, right, yeah. the right cocktail of pharmaceuticals the, to keep you awake. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I had to actually up my dose not too long ago, but yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. So yep. 
It's been some time since you got out and you've gone through yep. some of your transitional things. How are you doing now? I think I'm doing a lot better. I mean, I'm I'm really thankful for the military police because I think they really taught me a lot. They've I've become more self self sufficient. Um, I can I can cook. I can clean. I can sew. Uh, sew. I can I can sew. Yes, I can. I can iron. Um, plus I got you know I got a great job now and. Of course, that took a lot, but I had I went to school after I got out of service then. Which you did easier. end up, so you went to college after you got uh, out trade school. Yes. Okay. That's where I got my uh, first. I got my social degree in computer science, and then I got my bachelor's degree in computer science uh, a few years later after I started working for this one company, and it was a union job. They started laying people off. I got laid off. I'm like, fine. I'm going to start doing what I want to do. <laughs> So that's when I went to school. I finally went back to school and the VA actually helped cover that. Okay. I went back to school and uh, got my bachelor's degree in computer science. I graduated with a 4.0 uh, G- GPA with a, is it sim- whatever the higher is, is magna cum laude and the sim cum laude, which is a higher one. Do you remember? Nope. Cause I wasn't I either. I think it's those. magna. I think it's magna. I'm not sure. But anyway, I got, I got like the highest, highest, uh, we will call it awards ranking or whatever. And I had the gold, things on my graduation and everything uh-huh so i mean i i really you know put myself into the college then and this but is after my i've been married for a few years and everything you know did you um and i don't ask this often did you find it hard to go to school after you were in the military and kind of live in life as an adult for a while with People a who little, just graduated high school. But being that it was a trade school, not as much. But okay. there was a lot of younger people there still. Uh, and I met a lot of friends there. So <laughs> I got this one person that's a, basically I consider my sister now that I've known since then. So that's kind of cool. I feel like you make friends everywhere you go, Russ. Yes, I do. <laughs> I know. You are a friend maker. When I was younger, my parents would go to Drakesville for a bluegrass festival. I'd always have someone to hang out with when I was there. That's super important, though, especially um, as a veteran and going from places to places and new commands or move having to move is being able to make those connections with other people. Like super important. Yes, it is. I I think I think I made friends pretty much everywhere I went when I was in service. I, I enjoyed it. So if you had advice for another veteran that is struggling to find their way, what advice would that be? Basically, I would I'd say is, you know, take it easy one day at a time. One of the best things is I would say is if you feel like you're having some issues in it and you don't know if you can, please don't be afraid to get help. Uh, look, seek for that help. I mean, because there's all kinds of people out there that will help. I've talked, like I said, I was stationed during Desert Storm. So I drove a lot of my friends to being shipped overseas, whatever, when they were during Desert Storm and they came back. And they, you know, kind of tell me some stories like that. And so basically, yeah, you just really want to make sure that if you feel that you're having issues, don't be afraid to get help. It's it's very important that um, um, the people care about you. They want you to make sure you have the right help. And I guess I, that, that's my main thing is just don't be embarrassed to get that help. Yeah. Excellent. So if our listeners wanted to contact you to either continue this conversation or if they just had general questions for you, where can they reach you? Um, Well, my email is rjones5838 at gmail.com. I am on Instagram 
as Russell Skipper Jones, as well as Facebook. And of course, I'm also on TikTok as Combat underscore Skipper. I, I go live on there sometimes, so anybody's willing to come talk to me. We would like to give a huge thanks to Rafa 180. Rafa 180 offers pure medicinal CBD and products made locally. They walk alongside individuals to achieve a healthy lifestyle with options needed by each person. You can learn more about them on Facebook at Rafa CBD, their website www.rafa180.com or email at rafacbd at gmail.com. They truly believe your journey matters. Amber, do you want to talk a little bit about the charity we've chosen to support this episode? Yes, I do, Amanda. Thank you for asking. On top of our continued support of Silva Hollow Project, we are also supporting the Fallen Outdoors, which is an organization by veterans that take veterans hunting and fishing. They are located cool. nationwide, and all you need is a DD-214. It doesn't matter what kind of veteran you are. If you go to their website, thefallenoutdoors.com, you can type in your information and get hooked up with the people in your area and be able to go out on hunting or fishing trips. Oh, that's kind of cool. In order for us to support Silva Hollow Project and the Fallen Outdoors, Amanda and I have a merch store where you can buy hoodies, long sleeve shirts, tank tops, and t-shirts, as well as face masks and coffee mugs. We also have, I love that. Uh, yeah. Right? That I've been cool. told I should have been a flight attendant in a past life. <laughs> yes, that was perfect. I like the coffee mug. Whatever. <laughs> coffee mug, face mask. You'll have to see us on YouTube to see what we're doing. Yeah. Right. Um, you can also, we also have koozies and koozies definitely got to go to youtube for this um koozies and stickers and in order to get hooked up with those you need to reach out to amanda and myself directly where can they find us to do that amanda well if you would like to contact amber or myself for any reason we can be found on facebook instagram twitter and tiktok at veterans drinking vodka or you can contact us directly at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com. Please reach out if you would like to tell your story and be a guest on our podcast. Or if you just need somebody to talk to, we are available. Um, you can send us an email or a direct message on any of the social media platforms. If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon, or wherever you choose to listen to your podcast. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. It helps with the face, not the Facebook. It helps with the podcast algorithm so that more veterans can find our podcast and hear the stories that your fellow veterans have to tell. If you would like to see the shenanigans that happened just a few minutes ago or any of our uncut, unedited versions of the video footage while recording our podcasts, we can be found on YouTube at Veterans Drinking Vodka. You can also join us every Sunday for Veterans After Hours via Zoom. We start that at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. We are hanging out, telling stories, sharing resources, and meeting new friends. We do have to put the disclaimer out there that it is a 
Veterans Social Network. It is live and unscripted. We invite civilian military personnel and veterans to the networking event. However, when you put that many veterans in a live Zoom call at one time, you never know what you're going to get. So enter at your own risk. But the reason Amanda and I are doing this podcast is to bring about mental health awareness in veterans and the fact that 22 veterans kill themselves every day and 22 is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never alone. Veterans, take your podcast. Cheers. Cheers.